Can you heal from abuse? What do I do after leaving my narcissist? What does a healthy relationship look like? These concerns cross the minds of over 20 people every minute, over 28,800 people every day. And the sad fact is, we still don't talk about it enough. Healing from emotional abuse isn't a band-aid situation, but it doesn't have to take years either. The lives of millions of other survivors around the world have been impacted by their narcissist. Yours doesn't have to. To show you how to live a free, confident, and peaceful life, your host and founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, Marissa F. Cohen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very special edition of the BCP slash breaking through our silence tag team connection here as always with my partner and Marissa. We need it more than ever right now. She is Amazon award-winning multiple time bestseller. My good friend, Miss Marissa Cohen. Marissa, what up over there? Hey, it snowed in Chicago yesterday, which really, really? sucks. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> this world, everything's been so crazy. Lately. There's a lot of drama in the wrestling world. For me personally, this couldn't be a better time, Marissa. Thank you as always for everything. And more importantly, we got to welcome our special guest at this time. Uh, she's a podcaster, shout out, fellow podcaster, known for the CZW podcast, also works with CZW. Um, very appreciative right now for Miss Wiggy Wigowski taking the time uh, to talk to us about the Speaking Out movement. Wiggy, how are you? Welcome. Hey, I'm, I'm great. And uh, I'm in Canada, and it did not snow yesterday. So... <laughs> How did it miss you, but hit me? <laughs> so you're, you said you're a Maple Leafs person, but are you a Raptors person? Um, I'm not a big basketball fan. Okay. I, I cheer for the Raptors because they're Toronto's team. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, all about, it's all about the hockey up there. I mean, it's, it's, well, I'm, I'm, a Leafs, I'm a huge Leafs fan. I'm a huge Jays fan. So... Yeah, okay, I got you. Good for you. Yeah. But uh, yeah. and I've been to a Blue Jays game. That's awesome. And I can't wait till the world's back to normal and we can start um, you know, going to these games and things again. But Wiggy, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. It's very interesting to me because um, as as we reach out to people, we talk to people about the speaking out movement. Um, a lot of people are either like, Yeah, I'm in, like, let me know. And a lot of people are like, Hey, no, thank you. Um, you know, end of conversation, which I get from both sides. And Wiggy, sure. you like from the get-go have been very like whatever you guys need, let me know when I have no problem, um, you know, speaking out um, about things that had happened, speaking out the things that had happened to other people, kind of just tell us like your philosophy going into this, because I know a lot of people have a lot of fear talking about things or being blackballed, and, which I completely understand, but kind of tell us yeah. your philosophy going into this. Um, well, early on, uh, when all this stuff started coming out, um, I was kind of up in the air about telling my story. Um, I talked to DJ Hyde, uh, my, my boss, my very good friend, uh, he owns CCW. Um, he, he knew I'd had bad experiences with Chikara. And I said, listen, I, other people have had these things. I want to back them up. And he was like, go for it. Um, so I, I told my story. Um, I like to think I held absolutely nothing back because, Personally, for me, I realized there was a lot of, I made, and I don't put, I take responsibility for this. Like, this is one thing I tried to make very clear. I take responsibility for my actions. I made a lot of stupid choices, a um, lot of bad decisions, but they were mine. You know, I made them, I own them. Um, and I was embarrassed about it, you know, in a, for a number of different ways. But then I kind of realized, like, this is not my shame. 
So I've, I have nothing to be ashamed of. This, this, is, this is his shame for being the kind of person to do the things that he did. Um, are we naming names here or? Only if you want to. Up to you, whatever you're comfortable I with. I mean, I already named it. It was Cobalt from, from Chikara, Anthony Wilson. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. So I, I kind of told my story and I realized, like, nothing was going to happen to me. Like, the, I, obviously, I'm much more peripherally involved in wrestling than wrestlers are. You know, I, and I very, like you said, I very well understand the fear of being blackballed or being on a show where somebody, your accuser is at, um, of just not being believed, which has been the case for so many years up until now. So I kind of realized, like, listen, my, my involvement in, in wrestling, CZW, they've got my back here. So, like, nothing's going to happen to me. And I made the decision that like the only like I, I basically have the general life philosophy that if if something shitty happens um you can just feel shitty about it and let it be or you can learn from it and use it to do something good going forward and one makes it worthwhile having happened and the other just leaves the shitty situation forever so I decided like I'm in I'm in a position that I'm sure a lot of people wish they could be in to be able to say to speak out with what happened to them. So I publicly posted um, that anyone who has a story but is afraid to tell it for any reason whatsoever, that I would be their voice. Send it to me. I will post it anonymously. I will make sure that people know what happened to them and they don't have to live in fear because of it. So, yeah. Wow, That's amazing. And talk about that response. You know, you mentioned not only speaking out for yourself, but speaking out for others who felt that they couldn't, like, which I've seen firsthand as Mr. Marissa and I move forward. Like I mentioned, a lot of people are very just like, Hey, like, no, thank you. Like, and yeah. I understand the hesitation. So when you put that out there, you speak out for yourself. Now you're like, I'm going to speak out for everybody else. What was the response you got from that? Um, it, it was, it was very positive. It was very good. I, um, I very quickly received a couple messages. Um, I saved everything. Um, I, I still talk to some of the people. Um, I, I have messages on, on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, I got a couple early, uh, and I, I posted them exactly as I sent it to me. Uh, what I did do um, and I also want to be really clear about this is um, I didn't post anything about anybody who hadn't already been called out um, because the sad thing is, and, and I, this is absolutely nothing against any of the people who did reach out to me, but there are people out there who will use a movement like this vindictively, you know? And uh, so I wanted to be very careful that I didn't, falsely accuse anybody so um if somebody had already been called out and this was merely verifying that and just another person saying yes you know so we were all we were all validating each other's stories you know that's what I wanted to do um I didn't post anything that involved anybody else um I did have one incident uh where somebody had sent me a message 
that I believe involved like either four or six different people. Um, I posted it and uh, I absolutely want to give him uh, his props for, for being so kind with the way he reached out. Uh, Eric Corvus was um, uh, indie wrestler from New Jersey area. Yeah. Yeah. I played him out to the ring. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. So uh, yeah, he reached out and he said, um, I'd like to explain. And he was, he was so awesome. Um, he was yeah. like, you know, first thing he said in the message was, I'm not messaging you to attack you, which I mean, like bang on, like that is a guy who knows how to handle a situation like this. Um, and he said, I just want to let you know that uh, the story that you told, uh, that my, my involvement in it is false. And uh, he explained what, uh, what was wrong with the story. And he gave me people to back up. To back up his version of it um and i was like oh my god i'm so sorry um i said i had no idea um four of the other people in the message had already been called out which was the reason i posted it um like i said i confirmed that he had this his involvement was had been elaborated and uh he was innocent and i posted very clearly i'm like i am so sorry um, I did not mean for him to get dragged in with these other people who had already been accused. Um, he is he is entirely innocent. His story has been verified. Um, I am so sorry. And he he publicly thanked me. Like it was uh, he was so kind with the way he did everything. And uh, he didn't get defensive. He didn't get aggressive. And um, that like that made just all the difference in the world. He didn't he didn't come at me hot with anything. You know. And uh, that was that was the only instance. So, other than that one, which, as I said, the only reason I posted is because four people had already been accused in it. Um, but other than that, if somebody and there was a couple stories I didn't post because I couldn't verify that they were true. Um, you know, I mean, and I like I said, I didn't want to take anybody's, I didn't want to take somebody's word for it that I didn't, I didn't know from like the next guy, you know. Um, because the the only way that a movement like this works is if it's 100% honest. You know, if there's false accusations or vindictive accusations, it take something like this is so fragile because it's the first time it's it's happened where pe- so many people felt comfortable coming forward with abuse allegations um in various forms, you know, physical, mental, emotional, sexual um it's such a fragile thing that it takes so little to damage the credibility and once you damage credibility the old school thinking comes in like oh no this is it's just it's bullshit just being made up um you know and i i wanted very much to contribute to the good that this could do and i i wanted to make sure that it wasn't the person accidentally bring it down That's awesome. And I'm glad that you took those extra steps to keep yourself and the survivors safe. Um, And even on top of what you said, you know, the reason for you not posting it was you didn't want um, the, the movement to be impacted. You could also, having had no other accusations for that person, have almost outed, you know, um, a survivor, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like that, I mean, obviously that was like the most important thing. And there were a couple, uh, a couple people who did reach out who wanted to be vague about their stories. Um, 
they didn't want to take the chance of their story being recognized. And that's, that's another key thing, you know, um, especially if you're, if you're the only person who calls out a, a certain individual, you know, and if it's true, and I mean, you know, you really, I have no reason to believe that it's, it's not, you know, like wanting to, wanting to verify doesn't mean I didn't believe them. It meant that I needed, I needed proof that it happened. You know, it had nothing to do with, you know, with not believing a victim. It's, you know, it had everything to do with like, I need, I need somebody else to verify that this happened. I can't just post he versus, uh, he said, she said, you know, Um, but yeah, like if you're the only person calling out, calling out an individual, it's going to be pretty easy to guess who you are. Right. You know, and I mean, that was something, you know, I mean, that obviously that would go against the entire point of what I was trying to do. You know, like if I'm trying to, to offer these people a little bit of protection, if I post a, a, such a unique story that outs them, well, then, I mean, their story get out there, but then at what cost? Right. You could still be isolating that person anyways. Yeah, for sure. Or, I mean, and in some extreme cases, potentially putting them in danger. Right. Would you be comfortable if, if I asked you to tell us your story or at least some of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said earlier, I kind of, when it, when, the, when it came time to decide if I was going to tell my story or not, like I said, um, I decided that I made the bad decisions, I made the bad choices, but it wasn't my shame. It was his shame for what he did. So I had no reason to not tell my story um, if it would help somebody else. Uh, so yeah, my story involves, uh, Anthony Wilson, Cobalt from Chikara, uh, obviously not more, um, I don't think either exists anymore, uh, the character, not the person, the character. um, yeah, we, um, I invited him on my show, uh, besides CCW, like, my long-running show is Pantsless Radio, um, and that's been going, that's, well, not consecutively, but it started in like 10 years ago, which is crazy to think, but I wasted so much of my life joking. <laughs> joking. I'm joking. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, Rob, Rob's kind of like, but yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, uh, invited him to my show. Uh, it, he was, he was great. Um, we started talking after that. We, we really hit it off. Um, Shortly after that, uh, Chikara had a show up here, and just outside Toronto, I went to, I met him. Um, uh, it was really good. Like, this is all entirely in character. I, he never said a word outside of his character voice. So, um, but then we started talking um, outside of wrestling and stuff. I, I had offered, um, you know, to, to help promote them. Uh, he was part of the Batiri, and I am very, very clear about this, that the other two members of the Batiri, um, Oberi and Kodama, who are Chris Peaks and Louis Valley, uh, they were fantastic to me then, and they have been even kinder to me now. Uh, they are two absolute stand-up guys, and I could not be more thrilled for the success that they've had uh, recently. Um, so anything I talk about, they had absolutely no knowledge of they were like completely sideswiped when all these stories came out um but at the same time like they were new york guys and he was a pennsylvania guy so they kind of 
made their own way to, sh- to Philly shows and, you know, Jersey shows and stuff themselves. You know, they only traveled together when they were outside of the, that area. Um, so, yeah, so we started talking more and more. And uh, eventually we started talking on Skype uh, just as him, as himself, you know. And uh, we, we got to where we were talking twice a week. And um, we really hit it off. And there was a lot of flirting. And um, I, I offered to make them a website. Uh, I was building websites at the time, too. Um, so I made them a website. Um, I was basically, like, going anything I could do to help them, I would do. And uh, this was uh, 2012. Um, September of 2012 was uh, King of Trios. And uh, over the summer, him and I, it honestly, it really felt like we were dating. You know, like, just the way we would talk when we talk, um, he was, he would compliment me, you know, uh, we had all these, like, little inside jokes, and it just, it it felt like a relationship, you know, like, neither one of us said anything, but it just, it just very much felt like a, a like a blossoming relationship. Um, we decided that I was, I was going to come down for trios, and I was going to stay for, I think, eight days. And I was so excited. We were going to spend all this time together. Um, basically, it was going to, like, solidify our relationship. And, and it, was, it was great. And uh, a little bit before that happened, um, I had made a joke. We were talking one night, and I made a joke about being single. And he goes, oh, I'm not single. And it was like being hit by a truck. Um, I was like, what? And he said, I'm not single. I'm sorry. I should I don't believe he actually said I should have told you. He just said, I'm sorry. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, you're treating me like your girlfriend. And apparently you have another girlfriend. So, you know, this is great. Thanks. Um, but uh, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to go for my trip anyways. You know, um, basically, I couldn't cancel because it was all prepaid. If I had to cancel, I would have lost all the money. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. I've got other friends who are going to be there, so that's fine. He, uh, he picked me up. I got there on a Tuesday night. Um, he picked me up at the airport, which was the first time I saw him unmasked. Um, he drove me to my hotel. He held my hand in the car the entire way there. Um, we talked and we listened to music and it was fantastic. He came into my hotel with me. Uh, he helped me get settled. And I mean, this was like after midnight by the time this all happened. Uh, when he left, he literally tucked me into bed, told me a bedtime story and was like, I'll see you tomorrow. So I think you can understand (laughs) why I was still confused to the situation like okay well if you're not single is this how is do you do this with all of your friends like you know do you do you tuck do you go to Kodama's place at night and tuck him into bed and kiss him on the forehead (laughs) you know it was um uh he he very much kept things confusing um the next day he came over we hung out in my room and he showed me pictures of his wife. 
Yeah. Uh, he didn't, he had told me he wasn't single. He had not mentioned that he was married. I told him, I mean, I, I literally sat there as he was showing me happy pictures of him and his wife on his phone. And I thought I was going to be sick. Um, I told him that I didn't want to see any more because it hurt me. And he got mad at me. Um, and that's, this is where the gaslighting started. And I didn't even know what gaslighting was. <laughs> I didn't have the slightest clue. He told me basically that, you know, like I, I shouldn't be jealous and he's so happily married and his wife's a lovely person. And basically like, how dare, how dare I not be a supportive friend to, yeah, to, um, you know, him telling me about her and he left. And he left me where I was staying um, was, I was in Easton. So it was far from where all of my other friends were. Plus it was through the week. So everybody's at work anyways. So he basically left me, when he left me, I was left alone. Um, I had no transportation. I didn't know where I was. You know, I wasn't familiar with the town at all. Um, and it wasn't, I wasn't in an area where I could just kind of go out for a walk, you know. Um, so he basically isolated me. And he left me there for over a day um, with no communication. And I very much had a breakdown. Um, I was contacting friends. I was like, I was hysterical. Um, I was like, oh, my God, like, he's never going to speak to me again. I'm so stupid. I should have just shut up and looked at the pictures of his wife. And, uh, yeah. And eventually he came back about a day and a half later. He came back over at night and acted like nothing had happened. Um, so I was, like, so relieved. But, I mean, the message was, the message had very clearly gotten to me. Um, don't. For lack of better phrasing, don't cross him or he'll just ditch me again. Um, he, uh, King of Trios happened. The first night, which is great, I got to meet, meet up with a bunch of my friends at the show. After the show, um, after the show, uh, a bunch of the guys, like the Chikara guys and, a bunch, and some other people went to a bar after the show and went drinking. Um, I went there with a girlfriend of mine. We got there late. Um, I started drinking. I had a few drinks in a very short period of time. Um, again, my decision. I, you know, um, I was very stressed. So, you know, the idea of get, the idea of getting a little drunk was not a bad one at that point, as far as I was concerned. Um, I hadn't eaten because I'd been so upset um, from everything that had been going on. So I got really drunk really quickly. And he decided to play a really fun game of let's see what the drunk girl will do. Um, he told me to make out with my girlfriend who I went to the bar with. I did. Um, we were there until closing. Uh, we left. There was another girl who I casually knew. He told me I should make out with her too. On the middle of the street, which I did. 
Um, and there was a guy, uh, and he was like, you should go kiss him. And I was like, no. And he goes, come on, he's probably never had a kiss in his life. Just go kiss him on the cheek. So I did. Uh, I thought I was pleasing him. He then became furious with me for my behavior. Um, I was a horrible person. I had embarrassed him. Um, I had humiliated myself. Uh, and he stormed off. And I was so wasted. I had no idea what was going on, except he was mad at me again. I had screwed up again because he was mad at me again. Um, my girlfriend drove me to hotel. I sobbed in the car the entire way. I was like, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? Um, I was like, who can I call? Can I fix this? Maybe if I call one of the guys, they could call him and tell him how sorry I am. Um, uh, I got to my hotel. Um, I, I slept a bit that night and we had to go. Uh, the following day was Saturday and there was a big um, like fan fest thing through the day. So I went there. I met my friends. I was just, I felt like I, just absolute garbage, like just garbage. Um, and it was strictly emotionally, you know, from, from, from how upset he was. And I kept trying to, um, I kept staying with my friends, but they wanted to go over there. And I was like, I stayed very quiet. Um, I didn't want to make him any angrier at me than he already was. Um, finally, near the end of the afternoon, uh, I was over by where they were. And my friends had walked away and he leaned over and he said, you're lucky I'm even speaking to you right now. And, you know, which again, that was just like another shot, you know, and it's like every time something like this came up, it was like just being punched in the face. Um, we went, uh, I went to the show that night. I don't remember anything. I don't remember anything about any of the three shows. I sat there staring and like, I just, I don't know what happened. Um, everybody was going back to the same bar that night. Um, I didn't go. I hung out with uh, three of my friends. Um, basically because they knew that there was something very wrong with me and they didn't want to leave me alone. So they stayed with me and I kind of told one of them a little bit what was going on. And he was like, I think we should go. I think we should go to the bar and we'll all go with you. We will make sure that nothing happens. And I was like, okay. Because at this point, I just wanted to go to, to literally beg his forgiveness. Um, we went there. We walked in and he was sitting at a table with his wife. And uh, we... Uh, we were close enough that he, uh, it was a very small place. He obviously saw me. Uh, we kind of, me and my friends, we kind of went over and he introduced me to his lovely wife who uh, was, is, I'm sure, um, a very, very nice woman. Um, she's very sweet, very smart, uh, really funny. She was just, she's a wonderful woman. Um, and I felt like the absolute scum of the earth. 
And um, so, yeah. So I don't really remember how the, the weekend ended, but I was still there because I was there for another couple of days um, after everybody was gone. And um, I don't really remember a lot of what happened. Uh, it was very, it was very much just a roller coaster of emotion. Um, but things had gotten good enough again on the last day that we were there. The oh, the last day before I was leaving, um, he was going to drive me to the to the airport. Uh, he came over through the day, and again was all like touchy, huggy, acting like my boyfriend again. And uh, my room had a big jacuzzi in it. And he was like, I think we should get in the jacuzzi before you leave. So, you know, next bad decision, I hop in the jacuzzi with him. And I'm like, again, in my head, I'm like, oh, he does love me. He does, lo- he does want to be with me. Um, and I mean, he was all but saying these things, you know. And I mean, it took me a long time to realize, but it's just he, he, and he liked stringing me along. He liked knowing that I was there at his disposal, you know? Um, so, I mean, I'm just like head over heels again. And I have to go to, I have to leave that night. And uh, so he drives me to the airport. We have this tearful goodbye. Um, and that was probably the only I think that was the only time in my life that I have ever been truly suicidal. I walked to the airport just crying nonstop. I, I couldn't stop. I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, I felt like my world was ending. Um, I went into the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I, I didn't recognize myself. And I stood there looking at myself thinking, you know, I should just die. Like, this, this is too much. I can't do this. I, I'm not, I, I, sh- I should kill myself. And um, probably the only reason I didn't at that time is because I had no means to. Um, I walked back out. I went to my gate. I sat on the floor. And I just, I just sat there with my head. My knees pulled up. My head, my face buried in my knees. And I just sat there sobbing until I got on the plane. Um, I came home and I was an absolute basket case. Um, all I did was live to talk to him, live to have any sort of connection to him. And like he, I mean, if he had me hooked before that trip, he absolutely owned me after it. And um, I ended up going back between September and March, or February the next year. I spent an obscene amount of money going back down to see him as often as I could. Um, I went back down in November, um, hoping to be able to, because again, like he kept making it seem like, come down and we'll hang out. We'll get to, like, he would he never ever mentioned his wife never brought her up which to me kept feeding into we're a real thing you know um i uh i went back down in november 
Um, I was expecting to spend time with him. Uh, I spent a, an hour or so with him when, he, the, when I first got there. And I didn't see him again for the rest of the weekend, except at the shows. So basically, I spent a shit ton of money to go down there and to be left alone in isolation again. Um, and like I said, it, so many of these things, I didn't realize until after the fact that they were all a means to control me. You know, like I just, I just thought it was what it was. It was what it appeared to be on the surface. Um, I was back down in December for a pay-per-view. Um, and his Christmas present to me was taking me to lunch with his wife. Um, yeah. So that was, you know, basically I sat there just like, being like, this is the nicest woman in the world. Like I want to be her friend and I am the absolute scum of the earth for what is happening here. And to me, it was all my fault. It was not, it wasn't what he was doing. It wasn't, he was cheating on his wife. It was, I was doing it all. Um, uh, I was back down in February. Um, and it was, it was just like a pattern of the same things, you know, like I just, in between seeing each other, he was just this super sweet boyfriend type person. And, you know, how much he cared about me whenever we talk, he'd be like, you look so pretty. I miss you so much. And etc. Um, I was back down in April for WrestleMania weekend. Uh, I was at WrestleCon. Um, I was actually working at WrestleCon. Um, he came in for the weekend and he stayed in my hotel with me. Um, he stayed with me the first night. Uh, he slept in my bed with me, cuddling me. Um, the night after the show, he got a message from his wife uh, that he was very concerned about, so he had to leave right away. So he left me again. Um, yeah, I mean, I can, I'm like, I'm looking at Rob's face during this, and he's just like, the expressions on your face are just, yeah. You know, it's basically the same expression that I have now once I realized, oh, this is what actually was happening. Um, I was back down in June. So I literally spent, sorry, so it was September to June. I spent over 10 grand um, going down to see him. Um, mm -hmm. June, I was there. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, was, uh, it was for... I think it was Chikar's first pay-per-view or second pay-per-view. It was the show where the, where the company got fake shut down. Uh, he was going to stay with me again then. So we, were, we were in Philadelphia. Um, I had a friend who stayed with me Friday. Uh, and Anthony was going to stay with me Saturday night. Um, so that was fine. Friday night, I was hanging out with my friends. Saturday, we went to the show. The, the stuff shut down. Um, just for anybody who's wondering about, you know, if, if you know, the whole fake Chikar closing down business, uh, they didn't know. He had actually, Anthony had left the show early to take his merchant stuff back to my hotel. But the guys who were there, they didn't know that the show was going to be shut down. Um, when I got back to, by the time I got back to my hotel, he was actually texting guys from the company saying, I don't know what's going on, but apparently we're shut down. 
So that was uh, just kind of a fun side note. Um, so he was very upset. You know, I needed to be the supportive friend, um, you know, to, to help him through this. Uh, that night was the one and only time that anything ever happened, physical happened between us. And again, you know, terrible. I made that decision. I don't pretend I didn't. He didn't force me or anything. I made the decision to sleep with him. Um, what I had also been going on during this time, um, his father had passed away the previous winter. So this is like June 2013. And uh, he was having, obviously having a difficult time, which 100% legit. Um, he had told me that the only way he was able to cope with it was through sex. He had been um, seeing another woman who actually came out with her story. And that was what actually spurred me to come out with mine. Because he had done the exact same things to her. Um, he had been seeing her. Uh, she, was, she was up in New England. And uh, there were a lot of shows that he worked at that were up there. So he would go up there for a weekend. And he would play house with her and her daughter. And um, he would tell me all about it. Every detail. And I had to listen because I was his best friend and who he couldn't tell anybody but me. So I had to listen to all the details of the sexual relationship that he was having with this woman. And didn't matter how I felt hearing them. If I didn't listen and let him tell his stories to me, then I was a bad friend and he wouldn't be friends with me anymore. Um, so yeah, this actually, <laughs> and that, that actually kind of culminated with him. He, he told me at the time it was absolutely an accident, but he had sent me a, a, a sexual Snapchat of the woman that he was with. Um, and I realized he wanted to make sure I knew that he didn't need me, you know, like, he, he had somebody else. So if I stepped out of line, you know, that was it. Um, and it's, it's, it's so funny because, I mean, it's so clear to me now what he was doing. But at the time, I was just like, I, was, I had just become such a complete and utter wreck that the only thing I thought for sure that I knew in my life was what he told me. And, um, yeah. So after that weekend, when I did sleep with him, um, his wife called me. <laughs> Again, I'm just watching Rob's reactions to this. Uh, his wife called me and accused me of sleeping with her husband, which literally up until like that weekend had not been true. Um, and I was like, no, like I was here with my friends. I was here with my friends and he was, Basically, he was like, you can't let her know. So I swore up and down to this unbelievably nice, trusting, sweet woman 
that no, I did not do anything with her husband. It was, it was not true. It was not true. And this actually went on. So much of this time period is really a blur. Um, uh, just it, it, it for probably a number of reasons. Um, but there were a few phone calls from her where I would just swear, like I would swear up and down to the ends of the earth that nothing had ever happened with us because even at this point we weren't talking as much and things had definitely like, I believe he, he basically told me he was going back to his wife. He had gotten all this stuff out of his system. So he was going back to his wife. And so of course, I mean, my job was to be happy for him. And uh, so we didn't talk as much and stuff. But even at that point, I was like so very much under his thumb. I had to protect him. I could not let her let her know what he had done. And by that time, I was just so completely and utterly ashamed that I couldn't possibly let her know that this was the kind of person that I was. And that, that's what I truly believe. I can't, I'm like, I can't believe this is the kind of person I am. And I took a hundred percent of the responsibility of everything that had happened. Um, I, I was, it was still so raw after things had ended that I didn't have the perspective yet to see what had really happened. And it's like my best friend had been, um, I had been telling him all this stuff through and it actually got to the point that he said, and this was actually part of the reason why things I, I let things go with him was my best friend said to me, look, it was like, Wig, he's, he's, he's literally driving you crazy. If you don't stop talking to him, I will stop talking to you. And that was, that was like the shock that I needed to wake up enough to when he said he was going back to his wife to let it happen, to not try to, to and I mean, it wouldn't even, it wasn't even like I would have tried to fight for him. I would have been on my like hands and knees groveling, begging for him to not cut me out of his life. And, uh, like I said, my best friend, I, I love him to pieces and I will always owe him for that. Um, that woke me up enough that I could say, okay, I need to let this go. I need to let him go. And uh, yeah. And uh, like I said, for a, a very long time, for years after that, I never said anything about it because at that point I was, once enough time had, and distance had gone by, I was just like, I can't believe how stupid I was. I was so ashamed of my behavior. I was so ashamed of how stupid I had been. And um, like I said, it took, it took a lot of years to go by before I realized, okay, you know what? They were my decisions. But to a certain extent, I was manipulated into them. Um, that wasn't the kind of person I was before I met him that's not the kind of person I've been since. Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, there's really only one catalyst to what I did and who I became, you know, and then, like I said to you guys, uh, I kind of realized at a certain point that this is not my shame. You know, I made, I made terrible decisions. Um, 
but I'm not the one who should be ashamed of what I did. He is. And yeah. And like I said, when I saw that this, this woman told a story, I was like, I was reading this story and I was like, I know this. I know all of this. And I contacted her and I was like, he did the same thing to me. And she was like, I always suspected. And we started talking and I told her, I was like, I knew every detail of your relationship because he would tell me every disgusting detail he could because it would hurt me and it would control me. And it's like, we, we just apologize to each other. And we're like, no, like we have no reason to apologize to each other. Um, he completely, like, I despised this woman. And she probably felt the same about me because we were, you know, he put us in direct competition for his affections. And then after, like, we spoke and more and more stories started coming out, we found out we were not the only two women he was doing this to all at the same time. Uh, there were several others. Um, another one, one reached out to me on Facebook. She did not want to tell her story, but she said, I want to tell my story to you. You know, she said she needed to expel it. You know, she needed to get it out of her head so it couldn't hurt her anymore. And it was the same story. She said, I can't go public. And I was like, I, I won't force you to. She goes, but I have to, somebody else needs to know. And I was, you know, and it was the same thing. Like this is, he was just doing this over and over and over again. And uh, the night of speaking out, when it, this all first started happening, he emailed me and I, and uh, all I said was, I'm sorry for everything. And I was like, no, you son of a bitch. You're sorry. We got busted. Wow. So that's my story. And like that, it does not, like I said, it doesn't make me look good. I don't pull any punches. I'm not trying to protect myself or, you know, make myself look like a victim. I 100% made every terrible choice I did. I wasn't necessarily in the best, in the right frame of mind when I made them, but I still made them. But that also doesn't make him any less of a complete and utter scumbag for his behavior either. I'm going to Zach Morris this thing. First of all, thank you for saying that. Time out real quick. Virtual hug. I know we're not in the same room. <laughs> I'll, I'll, hug, I'll hug Kane, the big red machine for you. I'll, I'll hug my Coke, hug. which there normally I would do because I really love my Diet Coke. Yeah, but like, like good on you, though, like keeping it real. Like, I, I'm very I'm, I'm very sorry that. that that went on for so long. It's, I've never actually spoken it like all out loud at one time. And I was I've, like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm putting everybody to sleep with this. I apologize to Marissa every day for the same thing, please. Um, <laughs> but, but no, no, seriously, thank you for keeping it real. Thank you for opening up, man. Like, what a roller coaster. I'm so glad to see you, like, own everything, keep it real, speak out on behalf of others. Um, and really just like, I, I admire you for that. And it's good to see that you're doing so much better now and you're so confident now. And the one word, and I'll throw this to Marissa because we've had a lot of talks about this that comes to my mind is when you said everything is control. Um, Marissa, I don't know if yeah. you want to weigh in, but you know a lot about this stuff. <laughs> this is my expertise. So <laughs> I, I want to actually backtrack for a second because I, I agree and I disagree with Rob. Um, so thank you for, for speaking your truth and talking about what you endured. I can't, I mean, everything you said was heart wrenching and I just had like a million thoughts per minute. Like, I just want to give you so many hugs. <laughs> you know, what's so funny. You just said 
you you pointed out a word that he that he said and i just focused on a word that you said endured at no point did it ever feel like something i was enduring it was that was love it wasn't i wasn't enduring it i was in love you know and he loved me too you know i just had to prove myself to him i had to be the woman he wanted and um I'll leave this, uh, I, we should probably leave this part out, but um, his, I don't know why, but his wife is in a wheelchair. She can stand, um, she can walk a little bit, but she, she is in a wheelchair. And I always, in the years since, I always thought like, he wanted, and this sounds horrible, but he was trying to mold women into her, but who could physically do the things that he wanted. And he was, he was, got big into um, BDSM, and his wife wanted no part of that. So that was what he was seeking outside of people, with outside people. And it just, it always felt like he was trying to make me into his wife, who he could do kinky shit with. And, like, I realized that after the fact, but like I said, to me, during it, it was never something I was enduring. I was in love. That's the way our relationship was funny it's that's funny what perspective does to you i was gonna say that's an interesting perspective because as a third party outsider who hears stories like this every day my mm. mind went to okay so there was a system in place right he had his routine where he would put girls in or women in in you know various categories and he would do all these mechanisms and these systems to keep them where he needed them but from your perspective it was very different it was genuine and loving and so do you have the same view on it now? Like, do you still view it as, well, he loved me, but, you know, this was... No, okay. no. And enough time has passed where I can look back and see things for the way they actually were, not the way I wanted to see them. Okay. You know, um, I wanted to see them in a certain way because I was in love. And despite knowing his wife and meeting her on a few occasions in my head he had he had built this light this like little bubble with me with this like life of how how we could be together and he at no point ever said like I'm never going to leave my wife so by virtue of the things that he never said he kept me hoping and feeling like there, there was a, a true possibility of him and I ending up together. Which, I mean, in retrospect, obviously, he, he was just stringing me along for everything and anything that he could get from me. Um, but yeah, like at the time, at the time, I was so head over heels in love with him. Um, it just, it just seemed like, oh, well, this is just the way our relationship is, you know, and it's, that's actually quite terrifying in the fact, because, you know, like, like a lot of women have always said, you know, oh, I would never stay in an abusive relationship, you know, like, if a guy, if a guy ever, like, raised his hand to me once, that'd be it, and it's very scary to realize, like, how easily you can have your heart played on, and have your strings pulled, um, 
until you're actually like making excuses for him. And it, I mean, he, he never hurt me physically, but it's very scary to think that, you know, I feel like I'm a smart, strong woman. I would not tolerate that bullshit, except I tolerated that bullshit. It's like, oh, like, how did that even happen? A lot of people will recognize abuse as physical abuse, right? Yeah. Not getting hit, you're not being abused. And that's that's a story and a narrative that I aim to change because Mm -hmm. most relationships don't actually hit the physical abusive part. They stay in emotional, psychological, and verbal because those are the Mm -hmm. easiest to prey upon and the easiest to hide. And I truly believe that emotional abuse of all abuse – is probably one of the absolute worst because like you said, they prey upon your emotions. They manipulate you into thinking things are okay that aren't okay. They make Mm -hmm. you believe them and then they control your actions like a puppet. So the part that I wanted to backtrack on and say that I disagreed with Rob on was when he said, I'm glad that you owned up to everything. And on one hand, I'm glad that you admit, you know, everything that happened and see it for, you know, that perspective. But on the other hand, doing something under coercion is still not your fault, right? So even if he didn't force himself on you, he coerced you over the course of like a year, you know, and he was manipulating you and changing your brain and rewiring your biology. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. insane. The, the systematic changes that people can make just using words and actions on you. And so to, to one point, yes, like you did agree to sleep with him. Yes, you did book those tickets and go see him and, and be, you know, that person in his life. But on the other hand, he was basically a puppet master, you know, puppeteering your moves and keeping you in a box, you know, so that he could play with you when he wanted. Oh, it's awful. 100%. 100%. And it's like he knew, he knew my weaknesses. He knew my insecurities. Um, you know, he made me feel like everything that I was self-conscious about didn't matter, but they only didn't matter to him. Anybody else, that's all they would see and they wouldn't want me. That's such a horrible play. That's, yeah. it's such like a low blow. It, it really is. He's like, and I mean, at the time, like I, I've had weight issues, um, for most of my adult life and I've fluctuated like up and down. And at that point, I was bigger than I wanted to be. And he made it very clear, like he didn't mind, but everybody else would. He thought I was still beautiful, but nobody else would. Right. Like, you know, I love you. you're lucky. I love you. Cause nobody else will. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's funny because, um, and I'll, I, I will admit this really, I've never really, completely understood the impact of emotional abuse um up until like up until that point in my life um and it always seemed like well I don't get it like how bad could it really be but looking back I realized it affected every single aspect of my life um it's it affected my friendships to the point like I said my best friends said if you don't end things with him I will stop talking to you um it affected my work life because I was always so stressed and 
worrying, you know, and it's like, if he messaged me, I had to make sure I was available. Um, my mom, who was my best friend, she knew what was going on, not by what I told her, but what she observed in me. And I lied to her so many times that there was nothing going on between us. And I, that's probably what I hated myself the most for. Um, but it's like, yeah, like I, the perspective, you know, from, from now being able to look back, he, his bullshit touched every single part of my life, you know, and so I get it, you know, I really, I get it now, like just how deep, um, emotional manipulation and abuse, it, it affects you like nothing else. And it, it, it's, it affects you to the, to the core too. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, it, it actually shifts your biology, right? Our brain, our, our brains, um, are, they're a muscle, they move and they, and they function and, and different parts will be stimulated and whatever. And when you are enduring or when you are, um, when you have endured emotional abuse, it actually changes the amount that your brain uh, releases neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, which will impact your happiness levels on a day-to-day basis. Like it really, it impacts your whole life. It impacts weight gain and weight loss. It impacts stress levels and cortisol. It impacts everything. And we don't recognize it until it's too late. I'm happy. I'm so happy that you had that friend that kind of gave you that push, that nudge that was like, if you don't stop, I can't be a part of this. Was yeah. that like the make or break for you? Oh, 100%. 100%. I was like, he was my rock. He still is. Like, I mean, we've been best. Uh, I mean, at the time, he'd been my best friend for seven years, you know, and it's 16 years now. Um, but yeah, like, that was just like the idea of losing him. That was, that was. That was my final line in the sand. I, I can't do that. I cannot do that. And I mean, granted, it was kind of helped along by his decision shortly afterwards, or I, right around the same time, I don't even remember, honestly, um, that he was going back to his wife. You know, but like I said, at the same time, I were, had, had he not told me that, I would have been begging, crawling after him, trying to get him to not cut me out of his life so it really like he he all but single-handedly pulled me out of that situation it's amazing to have a friend like that i'm gonna throw it back to rob because i totally hijacked this interview (laughs) oh no marissa you're the best um you are i i I just she is right legit real deal uh Mm -hmm. but um I wanted to ask you this, you know, in wrestling, you know, taking it back just to the general world of wrestling again, and kudos to you for like using your platform to speak your truth, um, to turn a negative into a positive, give others the platform. Uh, as we've seen in recent weeks, I mean, let's, let's be real wrestling. Everyone has, has a name and everyone has a wrestling name. Everyone has a persona and all that. And I'm all about that for the entertainment value. And that's what it's all about smiles on faces and, and, you know, entertainment for the fans and, um, you know, people accomplishing their dreams and whatnot. But, like I said, let's be real. People have personas and, and I, I've learned the hard way. Um, people hide behind charities. People, yeah, um, yeah it's crazy. People, th- there's con men, you know, and there's people who 
just completely like who I've confided in friend, mentor, whatever. And just stuff comes out and you're just like, you never should have been here. You never should have been around people. You never should have been there. There's ego. People hide behind charities. It's, you see it more and more and it kills me. It kills me because I've been invested in wrestling over the past year when I was going through my own stuff and the wrestlers, the talent, the promoters have all been there for me. And, and I'm very appreciative of that. But you know, the, the more you get behind the curtain, the more, you know, the, the negative stuff comes along with it. And that's not everywhere. There's a lot of really, really great people that I, I hold in high regard and hopefully they don't break my heart. But um, it, it's been, it's been just crazy and very eye opening, And I think true colors always come out. Um, so moving forward, what can you say to speak to that about, you know, how we can make this business better, you know, starting on the independent level um, and moving forward? Um, I mean, the simplest thing, which is probably the hardest, is to listen to somebody when they come forward. Listen without bias. Listen and instead of assuming right off the bat they're lying, give them the benefit of the doubt. The more, so many people don't come forward because, like, the, I, it's got to be the number one reason pretty much across the board. They don't think they're going to be believed. And until there is, like, a consensus throughout the company, throughout the, the, sport you know throughout the community that we will listen to you we will not judge you we will give you the opportunity to prove what you're saying is true until that is there things really aren't going to change you know and I mean, the, the fact of the matter is you, you can't just come forward and say, so-and-so did this. You do have to be able to prove it because like I said, it's very unfortunate, but it does happen that people use things like this for vindictive means, you know? Um, and that's just a sad fact, but that doesn't mean we can't work around that fact, you know, be open listen to people, give them the benefit of the doubt, give them the time to prove that what they're saying is true. But don't, don't just brush away an accusation or a story because it's a friend of yours or because it's somebody you're a fan of um, or because it's somebody you just don't want to believe that about. Um, because like you said, the, the fact of the matter, and I mean, this goes from WWE all the way down to, you know, schleps like us, you know, like there's Wiggy and then there's Debbie. Um, and you might think, you know, one, you, you know, one, you, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the other, you know, there's Rob and then there's Rob. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah, you hit that you know, right on the head. You know, and it's like it you you know what you know what people put out there. Um like I said, right from WWE all the way down. It you know what people put out there. You that doesn't necessarily mean you know who they are. And it doesn't matter what your job is. 
<laughs> you know, like you, there, there's, there's shitty people in all aspects of life, unfortunately, you know, and um, just because somebody is in a, is in a position that you, you like, you respect, you're a fan of, doesn't mean that it's not possible. And I mean, for so long, I think that's been part of the problem. You know, it's like, well, you're on my TV. You couldn't possibly be a bad person. Oh, okay. Because it's not like a television or movie star has ever done anything bad. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so much of it, I think, is just listening and being willing to believe. You know, I mean, not believe blindly, for sure. Um, but giving people the opportunity, you know, letting them feel safe enough to come forward you know and um i very much understand why why so many people don't feel safe enough for for a number of different reasons but that i think is the the, the one thing that needs to change um people in positions of power need to be willing to listen when someone comes to them and says listen this has been going on and it shouldn't matter if they're your friend. It shouldn't matter if they're your top draw. Um, it shouldn't matter how big their social media following is. Anybody, any shitty person can be all of those things, you know, and uh, you need to, we need to, as a community, we need to accept that these terrible things happen. And... I think the first step is letting, I don't like using the word victims because I feel like it's almost, it's almost put like putting down, they're not, they're survivors, you know, I like that word much better. Um, survivors of these things, they need to know that there will be people there who believe them, who won't judge them and who, who will accept them despite these things having happened. You know, and I think that's, I really think that's the first thing that needs, that needs to occur. Um, like, Rob, are you okay? You're kind of grimacing. No, it's, I can't take much more. Like, this wrestling world's so crazy. It's been so great to me. But as, as you see, there's a lot of... Uh, well, exactly. Of, like, I feel very much... I mean, you know it better than way. I do. Yeah, you know it better than I... Like, I'm still very new to this. Like, it, um, it's, it's a circus. It really is. It is. Like, I, uh, I started, I started Pants Radio... Um, doing wrestling stuff in February of 2010. My my co-host at the time was uh, one pineapple Pete Sugar Dunker. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, Sugar I go way back. Um, yeah, I I have so many interviews, like 10 years worth of interviews and stuff, and it's I I love this. Like I have yeah. done this. Um, I have made very very little money off of it. <laughs> You know, I I do it because I have come across some really good people, you know, honest, genuine people. Um, and if I can get them some publicity, if I can get people knowing them a little better, uh, get some eyes on them, you know, I that can maybe somehow advance their career or their dream or you know anything like I want to do it like it's I love I love wrestling I've loved it since I was a little girl and you know just being able to be involved in any way 
like it's it's amazing to me it's absolutely amazing to me but at the same time it's sad you know it makes me really sad um but stuff it's something like this like speaking out it makes me so happy because it gives me hope that you know maybe one day this community of all of us can be a positive place that it can be better you know that we can make it better you know and uh that's that that gives me a lot of hope for the future yeah whether it ever happens or not (laughs) yeah very well very very well said yeah it's it's crazy but i get what you're saying like i posted something yesterday like let's do better for some of these kids that want to be wrestlers like let's be better Mm -hmm. uh for the people that are doing it now moving forward i think we can all do that i think uh like marissa always says you know having a conversation is a great place to start and you know we know there's some organizations coming about um you know guys let's get some background checks going uh you know let's Let's do our homework. Let's have the conversations. And uh, Wiggy, before we get out of here, uh, just last one from me. Let's get that shameless promo. Tell everyone where they can follow you on social, <laughs> all that good stuff. And honestly, if they want to reach out to you um, and they have something they want to say and they want you to be the voice, they're thinking, oh, yeah, 100%. And all that good stuff. Absolutely. Um, you know, just because it's not still June, you know, doesn't mean that you, you can't still speak out with your stories. And if you need, uh, if you need a voice, do that for you. Well, I am a loud one with a Canadian accent, eh? Um, but I will happily, happily nice. do that for you. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter at Wiggy Gator. W- <laughs> I used to do a show with a uh, weekly wrestling podcast and my co-host, so we used to make fun of the way I, I spelled my Twitter name because it's very so- sing-song-like. <laughs> So it's Wiggy Gator, W I G G Y G A T O R. Yeah. Like, like, it is. like I, I watch it, like, like Rob Shed's kind of bopping along too. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I'm on Instagram at the same. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Wiggy Wigowski, my 100% real name. <laughs> uh, if, if you like, if you have anything, like if you want to. I'm very happy to talk about this stuff. It's, I think it needs to be talked about more often to, for too many years. It was, people were told to shut up and the more people talking about it now, the better. And like, if you have a story that you need to get off your chest, even if you don't want it to be public, if you just need to get something out of your head, so it stops having that power over you, please 100% hit me up. My email is pantslessradio at gmail.com pants with an S not pantless because that's just wrong on so many levels. Um, yeah. And, and just keep speaking out when, when you feel you're able to um, find somebody who will do it for you if you can't. Um, and let's just like, let's just get rid of those people. You know, we have managed to exile so very many of them. Uh, who were some of the worst defenders, but there's countless more out there. And uh, I have I have a four-year-old little nephew who loves wrestling. And I want independent wrestling to be a place where I can take him to a show. He can go crazy over everything that's happening. And I don't have to worry 
about the people he's going to meet, the people he's going to be exposed to, to one day have, having to tell him, you know, why he can't see his favorite wrestler anymore. You know, let's think of it that way, you know, and let's, let's just make it better. Wow. That very well said. I think that's a perfect spot to end it on. Um, thank you so much, Wiggy, for coming on, opening it up, uh, keeping it real, um, turning a negative into a positive, and you really are uh, an asset to this business. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, and stay safe out there. Continue success moving forward, all right? Thank you so much. Anytime. Anything I could, like I told you, I told you in that first message, I am so in, and anything I could do to help this movement, you guys know where to find me. In, in Canada, where it's not snowing. Where it's yeah, like. there it is. <laughs> oh, don't remind me. <laughs> All right, guys. But like we always say here on the BCP, breaking through our science connection, everyone stay safe, stay positive, take care of each other. We out. Peace. If you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. That's www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. Marissa would love to develop a made for you healing plan to heal from emotional abuse. She does all the work and you just show up. Stop feeling stuck, alone and hurt and live a free, confident and peaceful life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Marissa F. Cohen and Instagram at marissa.fay.cohen. We'd love to see you there.